Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Motormouth Mosley Radio Show. You have reached, reached the Mad Cave over here in Redan, Georgia on a beautiful Sunday night. Hope you had a great weekend. We're here to talk a little sports, chat a little bit about what's going on in the sports world this weekend. want to thank you for tuning in, whether or not you're tuning in live or you're listening in on one of our archived episodes. If you uh, log on and you want to call in, our phone number is 347-945-7975. You can also reach us on uh, Blog Talk Radio forward slash Motormouth Mosley, and you can join us in chat. Uh, I do want to thank you for taking the time to listen to what i got to say. Real quick, it was a great weekend in sports, another one, uh, somewhat heartbreaking, somewhat disappointing for me. Um, of course, my Dallas Cowboys found a way to blow a game that they should have won again. But there were other games, and we will come back to that game later because there was a performance in that game that definitely deserves uh, special notations, um, and we'll get back to that in a few minutes. But we want to talk a little NFL football. We're going to talk a little college football, and we've got a World Series game that's going on. I believe the score is 4-2. I think they're in the seventh inning. Uh, I believe Boston is leading, and uh, they need to win this game to tie the series up at two games apiece. Uh, it was a controversial uh, play at the end of last night's game, which gave the Cardinals a uh, two-to-one lead in the series. I don't know if there's ever been or uh, anyone's ever seen or recall seeing a game end on an obstruction call at home plate, well, actually at third base. Uh, the runner was scoring at home plate, and they call obstruction. Um, very uh, odd, very w- rare way to end the game. But uh, as I said, the series is now at 2-1. to one. Boston uh, is in the field. They brought in their closer. They're in the uh, bottom of the seventh inning. Junichi Tozawa is in pitching for the Red Sox. Uh, runners are at first and second with two outs. Again, like I said, Boston is up four games to two, and they they are playing in St. Louis. But to the NFL action of the weekend, so far the way it looks, unless there's some drastic change in in the late night game, uh, it looks like I'm going to be sitting at about ten and two. And unless St. Louis pulls a rabbit out of their hat and beats Seattle tomorrow night on the Monday night football game, I'll be looking at eleven and two this weekend, which isn't bad. But real quickly, let's go over the. Weekend score starting, um, of course, with the Cowboy game. Dallas 30, Detroit 31, Cleveland 17, Kansas City 23. Kansas City is now 8-0. Miami went into New England, played them well, played them tough early, but New England ended up pulling it out 17-27. Buffalo went down to the Big Easy and got spanked around 17-35 by New Orleans. In an ugly game, I'm so happy that I didn't get to watch it. I didn't have to watch it, but it looks like it was an ugly game. You got the New York Giants 15 and the Philadelphia Eagles 7. Um, I'd have to go back and see 
who played quarterback in that game. Uh, it looks really, really bad for the Philadelphia Eagles. They had such a dynamic offense early in the year, and now uh, they look as inept as anybody in the league. Um, can't score. They only pulled up seven points uh, in this week's game. Uh, looked very meek and uh, unproductive last week against the Cowboys. I'm trying to pull up my stats real quickly so I can see who played quarterback. Matt Barkley, that explains a lot. It looks like Vic did play a little bit. I'm not sure who started, but in either case, uh, both of them threw interceptions. Neither one of them uh, had great stats. So they're still having problems. I don't know if Vic is still injured with that hammy, but um, Philadelphia is definitely struggling. San Francisco 49ers going to Jacksonville, beat them up like bullies, 42-10. to 10. New York Jets 9, Cincinnati rebounded like I thought they would, 49. Uh, Pittsburgh goes into the Oakland Raider Nation and gets beat. An old AFC rivalry game uh, goes back to the Stabler versus Bradshaw. Steeler, game, Steeler teams of, of your uh, open, as I predicted, pulled it out, 21-16. Washington goes into Denver. Washington actually played Denver tough early, and then Denver just, they hit the gas pedal and blew them away. It was 21-45 Denver. Atlanta goes into Arizona. Arizona pulls it out, 27-13. Atlanta has some serious problems on their offensive line. They can't run the ball. Steven Jackson was not the answer. Um, and Carolina, 31, Tampa Bay, 13, keeps Tampa Bay undefeated, I mean, winless. I can't imagine uh, Tampa Bay's coach Greg Schiano keeping his job for much, very long, for very much longer. Um, the product they're putting on the field just does not look well, and it doesn't look bold well for the future for that for that coach in that franchise. Uh, I, I guarantee you that there's some folks now who regret booing Raheem Moore when he was coaching there. And then in the Sunday night late game, it looks like Minnesota just scored a touchdown. I believe that would be – let me see. Yes, uh, Minnesota just scored a touchdown, and that makes the score 41-24 uh, late in the game. Uh, so it looks like I'm going to go 10-2. Um, so that's the slate for Monday night football, uh, Sunday football games this weekend. Um, the only two games that I did not predict correctly were the Giants versus Philly. I expected Philly to win. I thought Vic was going to come back and play well. And then, of course, the Battle of the D's, Detroit knocking off the Cowboys 31-30. In that game, there was a performance by Calvin Johnson, formerly of Georgia Tech, um, in his seventh NFL season, who shattered the receiving record last season with over 1,900 yards and looks like he's going to try to do it again this weekend, especially after this performance. I give the Detroit Lions offensive coordinator, uh, head coach, uh, I give them a lot of props on their offensive prowess on using, uh, knowing what weapons they have and using that weapon to the best of their ability. They designed in their offense 
ways to get Chris Johnson, uh, Calvin Johnson the ball, and it didn't matter if he was double teamed or if he was single, single coverage or if they were in a zone. They found ways to get him the ball. He had 14 receptions for a whopping 329 yards and a touchdown. And I know early in the week there was some blown up, blown out of proportion uh, discussion on Des Bryant, a comment that Des Bryant made. And in all honesty, Des Bryant has the skills to be one of the great receivers in the NFL. Calvin Johnson is the prototypical great NFL receiver right now. He's six foot five, weighs two, almost 240 pounds, runs like a four four. So I mean, he has a 42 inch vertical. He's an unbelievable athlete, and he can't be stopped. That's just the bottom line. To it, Dallas proved they they definitely couldn't stop him. Some other teams might be able to, but I give credit to the coaches for designing an offensive scheme that promotes him, that gets him the ball no matter what the opposing team tries to do. Dallas's offensive uh, brain trust could learn a lot because they have, like I said, Des Bryant, who is maybe not as skilled, not as talented, but is still a freak of an athlete and an unbelievable receiver. They got him the ball three times for 72 yards and two touchdowns. You've got to find a way to get him the ball more. They forced the ball to Terrence Williams, rookie wide receiver out of Baylor, who was replacing Miles Austin, and it was an absolute joke. There was no way that he was ready for that type of pressure. His his route running isn't up to that par. So it was it was very disheartening to watch the way this game was managed and coached. Dallas had the score, had the lead late, and could not offensively produce a first down so they could run the clock out. Very disappointing loss. Congratulations goes out to the Detroit Lions. They won the game. They did what it took to win, and they made the plays when it was necessary. Um, Want to hop over to a little college football? Again, you're listening to the Motormouth Mosley Radio Show. Uh, Want to thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to make donations, you can hit us up in our inbox, or you can hit us up on our PayPal account. You can link into that via our Facebook page and Click on About, and it will give you all the information about our show, including our PayPal account. Um, bounce over to the uh, college football rankings. I know that there's the BCS rankings, and I know that there's the BS rankings, and I know that there's the AP and all those guys, but these are my rankings. My top five teams are as follows. Number one, of course, got to go with Alabama. Until somebody knocks them off, they're the big dog in the house. Number two, I'm giving Oregon props number two. I know that in some other polls, Florida State has skipped them. I think Florida State is a fantastic football team, and they very well may be the number two team, may be the number one team. I absolutely love famous Jameis Winston, the quarterback. Love the athletes. I love the way Florida State plays. So I give them a number three ranking. At number four, where I shake things up a lot, I've slid in Baylor. Baylor is my number four team. They blew out Rock Chalk Jayhawk Kansas University over the weekend, 59-14. to 14. Lake Seastrunk, Tevin Reese, uh, quarterback Petty. I love the way that team plays. They, they, they run that high-powered, fast, fast. I mean, it's, I remember back in the days to talk about the fastest show on turf was the uh, – St. Louis Rams, when they had Kurt Warner and 
Marshall Falk and you know I had to call, when they had you know they were they were they were legit they had Tory Holt they were legit they don't even compare to the speed of this Baylor team and how fast they score and from they can score from anywhere on the t- on the field and they've got so many players that can take it to the house from 70 80 90 yards so I definitely give Baylor my number five ranking and uh, I did have I did have. Missouri at number five, but them clowns went blew it last week. They lost big time, so they are out. Um, um, those were my rankings as of last week. That's how I had things looking last week. It was Bama, Oregon, Florida State, Baylor, and Missouri. With uh, Stanford was number six at the time. So this week, watched a lot of football. Didn't do my normal on Saturday. Just sat around and watched a bunch of college football. So my new rankings are a little bit different, a little bit of shape up. Still got Alabama, Oregon, Florida State, Baylor as my number one, two, three, and four. But got Miami, the U, at number five now. Uh, And I reluctantly have Ohio State at number six. Um. I watched some of the game against Penn State, and I just wasn't sure if Ohio State was that good or if Penn State and the rest of the pack of big team is that bad. Uh, but I'm giving them a number six ranking. We'll see what happens when they uh, how the season plays out. Um, and as of this weekend, uh, looking at the schedule of games, there really are aren't a lot of marquee top-notch, two teams ranked playing one another this weekend. And it's going to be a bunch of sleeper games where a bunch of teams are going to just roll up 45, 50, 60 points against, you know, the lesser fans, and it won't make a whole lot. The only, there's only one game, and this is a game that brings back memories for me because the one game that is worth watching this weekend that should be a battle will be Florida State, my number three team, playing against number five, Miami, I believe that's Tallahassee versus versus uh, uh, Miami, uh, two schools in Florida. Uh, it should be about uh, probably 20, 30 future NFL players uh, on, between the two rosters. Uh, Heisman candidate consideration for uh, the Florida State quarterback should be just a battle. And the reason why this game uh, means so much to me or brings back fond memories of, of the matchup in years past. As I remember, geez, this had to be in the early 90s, maybe late 80s, when those two teams were just top-notch, you know, some of the best in the country. And because of the time difference and living in Hawaii, me and some of my friends decided that we were going to get up on a Saturday morning. The game started, I believe, at 7 o'clock or 7.30 a.m. And we were going to get up, and we were going to find a place that not only served breakfast, but served alcohol. Okay, this is me in a, a past life. This is how I used to be. Not that way anymore. So we bounced around to about five different locations, different establishments in Hawaii, trying to find a spot that was going to show football, service breakfast, and service alcohol. So we finally found this location. I can't remember the name of it. It used to be on Amana Street right around the corner from the old 
uh, Tower Records location, and we went in there, and we started ordering breakfast and watching football, and it was a great game. I uh, can't remember who won because the alcohol was pouring. But what we did is the people who showed up late, who weren't on time at the kickoff, they showed up like in the second quarter. We would tell them that we had already had like three or four drinks already, so they had to catch up and do shots. Of course, we hadn't had that much to drink, but just because they weren't there, that's how we did them. But it was just a great day. We watched football from like 6.30, uh, 7.30 in the morning until – Jeez, until probably eight or nine o'clock at night, you know, when when all the games were over with, uh, watched some West Coast games, but it, it was just a great day. So the Florida State Miami game, I hold near and dear to my heart, just because of past experiences with the game. Uh, but this week, I definitely believe that my, the U is going to have their hands full. I don't believe that they are going to be capable of knocking off uh, Florida State, um, even though. Uh, yeah, that game is going to be held at Florida State, so I, I definitely think it's going to be a battle, but I wholeheartedly expect Florida State to win that one. Uh, in some other games of note, uh, some other news, um, it was nice to see that the, the players for the Grambling University uh, Tiger football team have returned to the field after a one-week uh, protests uh, uh, of their conditions, of their situation, of their facilities at the school. Uh, it's nice to see that they did make the road trip and played Texas Southern, which I believe is in Houston. Uh, unfortunately, the Grambling Tigers did lose that game in overtime, 23-17 to to Texas Southern. But uh, I respect these young men for standing up for what they believe and standing by the principles. Uh, other college games that were of note over the weekend, the number two ranked Eastern Illinois Panthers, that's in the FCS uh, division. Um, you know, and they used to call it the one double A or something. Um, they went over to Tennessee State, knocked off Tennessee State 34-16. to uh, That program is led by former University of Hawaii running back, uh, defensive back, both. Uh, Dino Babers, who I would consider would be uh, one of the top candidates for the University of Hawaii uh, head coaching job when it becomes vacant probably within the next year or two. Uh, he's got the Eastern Illinois Panthers ranked number two in their division, one of the top teams in the country. The only game that they've lost has been, I believe, against the, uh, Northern Illinois, which is a top 25 ranked uh, FBS team. So that's nothing to frown at. Uh, for you local people who are listening in from the islands, from Hawaii, and you're wondering where is Andrew Manley, the former Lelahua, uh All-State quarterback, he is on the roster. Uh, he did transfer from New Mexico State, uh, but they've got a quarterback by the name of Jimmy. I apologize if I'm pronouncing his name wrong, but I'm going to pronounce it Garapolo. And uh, Jimmy uh, was 24 for 41 for 410 yards. That's four touchdowns and one interception in a blowout. Well, not a blowout, but a, a decisive win for, for the Panthers. This kid is probably going to be up for the top, uh, the top award, uh, the Heisman of Division FCS, which is, I believe, the Walter Payton Award. He will be in high consideration for winning that. So uh, 
Andrew will have to you know, bide his time. Uh, they do have a second-string quarterback, this kid named Ben Cole, who is 6'6", 247. He's a big Ben Roethlisberger-type character. He got a little mop-up time action during the game, uh, but that's probably going to be Andrew's competition next year. And, of course, uh, us former mules wish him nothing but the best. And a couple of other games that have Hawaii connections or personal connections to me, uh, Georgia Tech knocked off the University of Virginia, the mighty Cavaliers, wahoo-wah. Uh, Georgia Tech knocked them off, ending red 35-25. Congratulations, Coach Buzz, Coach Johnson. Great job. And Coach Kenny Niumatololo at Navy knocked off Pitt. Uh, Pitt came into the academy area to Annapolis and got, uh, got squeaked by by Navy 24-21. to Again, you've been listening to the Motormouth Mosley Radio Show. This is your man, Motormouth Mosley. Had a great time talking to you. Had a great time discussing uh, this weekend's game. The only game that's left will be tomorrow night, which will be Seattle going into St. Louis uh, um, for the Monday night game. I, as I said, I totally expect Seattle to win that game and probably, probably by a decent amount, especially with Sam Bradford not being in. Um, uh, as I look up at the uh, Sunday night football game, it looks like the Vikings just scored again. Uh, you've got a minute and 30. No, excuse me. Uh, I believe the score is going to be 44 to 31 after they kicked the extra point. Uh, Christian Ponder just scrambled in for a looks like probably about a 30, 35 yard touchdown. Uh, so they're, you know, I mean, they're they're being competitive. It's a good game. But uh, Green Bay pretty much has this wrapped in the bag. Um, I, I did want to touch on a subject that happened during the Cowboy game again. Um, sideline reporters, not sideline reporters, but the analysts and the announcers um, caught video of Dez Bryant being emotional, ranting, being excited, uh, and immediately painted this verbal picture that he was being disruptive and he needed to grow up and he was juvenile and he had no place. And they even made a reference that Calvin Johnson has more class because he doesn't act that way. Well, first of all, these guys had no idea what Dez was saying. They're up in a booth 40, 50 feet in the air. They don't know what he was running or raving about. They speculated it. And a few weeks ago when Tom Brady was belittling and getting in the face of some rookie wide receivers who didn't know any better, who didn't know the offense. They came to his defense, and, and he's being a leader, and he's trying to motivate, and I just get sick and tired of these guys on television painting these pictures and getting fans all worked up and misled over a situation that really they know very little about. It was interesting because Dad Bryant came out comment. Uh, came out with a comment um, during an interview, and this is what he had to say about his rant or rave or you know, however you want to call it. Bryant, he says, I'm the nicest person off the field. When I'm on the field, even when I look angry, it's still all good passion. I feel like that's what we need. I'm going to remain the same way. In order to win, you've got to be passionate about this game. You have to be. You You've got to let that dog come out and just pull it all out there on the line. What he's basically saying is if, you, if, if it doesn't mean anything to you, if whatever happens just happens and it rolls off your back and you have this uh, 
what devil may care attitude or you come up with all these cliches during interviews and you really don't have an emotional attachment to the game, then why are you playing it? Why are you even out there? I get so sick and tired of these, you know, we do our best and, you know, we'll see what happens. Well, you know, sometimes you need to get in somebody's face. Sometimes you need to get guys motivated to light a fire up under somebody's butt. And the two guys on the Cowboys team that people want to call leaders, and yes, I'm a Cowboy fan, but I'll rip them left and right. The two people that they always want to go to and talk about as leaders and all this stuff are Tony Romo and Jason Witten. Neither one of them, from my point of view, from my opinion, have the emotional huevos, cojones, to stand up and get in somebody's face. They make excuses. They, they uh, water down whatever uh, rationale they have for you know, coming up short. And I'd much rather personally have somebody who gives, excuse my French, but who gives a damn, who would mean something to, and who is willing to say, give me the ball. Now, these bobbleheads on ESPN, these bobbleheads on Fox, these bobbleheads on NBC will paint Dez in a negative picture. They probably won't even report the statement that he made, or, or they'll refute it, and it just gets on my nerves. But that's just my personal commentary. I'd rather go to battle with a guy like Dez Bryant, who's a fighter, who's a scrapper, than somebody who just kind of wants to lay down and find a nice place to lie down and, and then collect a check. Built some bogus stats with him and his buddy, but I'll take Dez any day over those guys. That's my little, that's my little tantrum. Uh, again, you've been listening to the Motor Mouse Mosley. That's me. You don't like it? Call in. Tell me you don't like it. Tell me what you don't like about it. But uh, that's my show for the evening. I want to thank you for listening in, whether you're listening in live or you're listening in uh, at a later date, sometime later this week. But thank you for taking the time to hear what i got to say. Stay tuned. Listen to us for Tuesday night at about 11 o'clock Eastern time. I'll come out with my picks for next week. We'll try to find out exactly uh, if I can improve on my record. We'll see how this whole thing plays out. And we'll also follow up with some World Series action and see if I can catch an updated score. Hopefully they won't be at they're – not, they're not at a commercial break, so it's a 42 still. St. Louis is trailing Boston. They're in the eighth inning, and looks like they've made some defensive changes. Looks like Napoli is playing – Napoli is playing first base. Does that mean that Poppy is out of the game? I hope not, but oh well. Again – have a great evening. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I will talk to you again on Tuesday night. And mahalo.